Welcome to and almost starring the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And for our 100th episode, you better believe we watched this in the daytime. It's The Shining. <laughs> Joe, congrats, 100 episodes. <laughs> and and listener, this is 100 episodes on the main feed. Nearly 100 on the main we feed. We would have already blown past this number weeks ago. 84 <laughs> years, if and any, I can still <laughs> smell the fresh paint. Um, we'd have blown past that number weeks ago if we were counting our Patreon exclusive episodes. If you have not been listening, that's right, we're on Patreon. We have, right now, for this month, a full-length bonus episode on Adam's Family Values. Arguably the best uh, comedy of all time. Don't fight me on it. And waiting for you there uh, on the back burner, in the back catalog on Patreon, we've got full-length commentaries on The Fly, Jaws, and Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, and another full-length episode on Thor Ragnarok. And the hits are just going to keep coming. we got some exciting stuff coming up down the pipeline for the upcoming months. So check out what we're doing at patreon.com slash starring. Do it! But as for today, we are talking about, you know, I said earlier in this month of spooky, scary films that our films were you know, pr- pretty much not too spooky, scary. I mean, I'm showing the values. Come on. It's Interview with the vampire. Classic. Interview with the vampire. The only thing spooky so. about it is the idea that that's, they did the makeup by turning them upside down <laughs> and making them hang like bats. How dare they? American Psycho. Oh, definitely. Oh, you're like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> this guy has some problems. <laughs> so, some might call this guy a psycho. Uh, and then Edward Scissorhands, we're back to being, you know, this is... It was a little mu- tweet. Pretty scary for uh, when I first saw Edward Scissorhands as a little baby, but not today. But not now today. we have The Shining. And, and this, this film is, is just <laughs> existential dread uh, from T to B, top to bottom. Uh, so let's get into it. The Shining came out on June 13th. We've <laughs> just the perfect time for you The know, Shining. When your blockbuster <laughs> summer films are happening. Oh, finally, we're done with school. We can go to the movies and see The Shining. It's like Not during winter. You know times? what? I want to watch The Shining on a midsummer's afternoon the same way I need to see misery during a heat wave. Fair you enough. Know? Fair enough. Which listener, I was thinking between that because we were talking like, what's going to be the hundredth episode? We knew it was going to be in our spooky, scary October month, mm-hmm. and. I was thinking the misery, which would also be a great episode. It will be someday if we're running this pod long enough. But you gave me the option of a few, and I said, "Let's go prestige, Let's baby. Go prestige. Let's yeah. go with this this little nugget of joy." Oh me, oh my! So yes, June thirteenth, nineteen eighty is when The Shining first came out, directed, of course, by Stanley Kubrick and adapted from the Stephen King novel by Stanley Kubrick and Diane Johnson. Amy Jo, what's your experience with The Shining? Had, had you seen it before? Here's the thing. I had, but only once. I liked it, but I was like, yeah. kind of like with Silence of the Lambs. I was like, cool, check, did it. That was a lot <laughs> for me, you know? Um, but unlike A Clockwork Orange, I... <laughs> had a completely different response, which is to say, when I finished it, I immediately started it again and watched Whoa. it twice in a row. Wow. I was just like, I'm in. Yeah. And like, 
I mean, that makes that tracks. It just, I guess <laughs> it has more, um, even though it's like so horribly violent and yeah. everything, it's, it's still like this, the stylistic oh, lens so, is more mm, like so stylized. me as opposed to like yeah. the shining, which is absolutely gorgeous, but the creeping dread, I can understand why I wouldn't want to subject myself to it for like hours <laughs> on end. I mean, and it's so good. It's so beautiful. And I had, I remembered a lot of like the set pieces you uh-huh. know because it's like obviously you remember you know her over the stack of pages and all of that and but just like watching it all unfold and looking at how gorgeous it is i was like yeah do i want to go stay at the i believe this was filmed at the stanley hotel i was like mm. well how much refurbishment have they done since does it look like this <laughs> yes as you lived for several years in in colorado yeah. this is also the stanley hotel is to my knowledge and listener I- i'm speaking without having done a lick of research <laughs> is like a famous haunted hotel like it's places oh. that a lot of like ghost hunter type people will go and and all of that and pre this movie well i certainly know post or is it like, haunted by a lot of like I mean, 80s guys who's to say i i think it's like been known as a place of paranormal activity my <laughs> uncle he, he was just staying with us a few days ago and i kind of meant to ask him about this because like he loves like ghost stuff and oh. like weirdly as someone who is like had a lot of like ghost experiences and he's also gone and I, I can't remember if he stayed at the Stanley or at another like haunted hotel in Colorado, but it's like there are people who will go and stay at these places, particularly to have this kind of like paranormal experience. But I'm like paranormal still different than that girl in the bath, you oh, know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. those creepy twins. Oh yeah. yeah. But I was like, it looks great though. This oh, is, well, I mean, this is seventies stylish. Selection. Ooh, what a great that's example of, of every frame of painting. Truly not I mean, a shot in this movie, not a second that you're not like, wow. That's why you're getting Kubrick. Yeah. I mean, it's also why Stephen King hates this movie because this oh. is taking a lot of liberties with the book and is very different from the book and especially in regards to casting, which we'll get into. Ooh, and see, you were asking me when we were watching this, if I'd ever read it. And I was like, no, <laughs> the shining. You're like, well, I don't know. You've read Carrie. I was like, well, yeah, I don't know. As an adult. And it was right. a slender little tome. I was like, I'm sure, not really sure. doing the Stephen sure. King thing. Hey, I hear you. I get it. Uh, but yeah, but this was like kind of mixed reviews when it came out. Really? Oh yeah. Absolutely. It's so wild because it is a visual Feast. Yes, but it's hard to argue that I think more than anything else, this film is notable for its direction. For sure. Above all else. Above well, yes. script, above as good as the performances are, I think it's still the I think it's just so hard to remove this from it. it's just a Stanley Kubrick movie. And for better and worse, you know? Sure. Um in that if you are especially as a fan of the book. It's doing its own thing and is not interested in giving tidy explanations for what is going on. There's not, a lot more backstory. Not one bit does it no, care. No, 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 no. I think I've only seen this movie once before as well. I think I saw this with my dad on TV. Oh, wow. So I was probably like in high school, I think. And I don't remember. I don't believe it was a TV edit. I feel like I remember blood so i assume it was like on hbo or something and my dad was like mm-hmm. oh this is a classic and i think my dad like halfway through was like all right i'm gonna go upstairs and do some work because <laughs> he was just like oh yeah i forgot that i uh, i don't like these arty movies <laughs> i just remember these are supposed to be good so i saw the ones and i thought it was like perfectly fine it's i mean that's what you get you get like the dread 
It's just from, from the frame jump, one. That beautiful shot. And Tuesday. Having, <laughs> yeah. And having spent many years of my life in Colorado, like uh-huh. cumulatively, it's so beautiful. It's just, it fills you with such like peace to see like the majesty of nature. So the fact that they're able to put that score underneath it and make it be somehow ominous is quite a feat. I love these bright like robin's egg blue title for the opening credits like full inception but like the full the most beautiful shots of colorado with this like cheery blue typeface and then incredibly ominous music something bad will happen um it's a fun mix it's a fun mix uh but let's Let's get into it now. Spoilers ahead. If you have not seen The Shining, listener, or you haven't seen it in a while, here's a brief-ish synopsis. Uh, We meet Jack Torrance, old Jack Nicholson, who is ready to lose it from frame one. This this guy doesn't need any provocation (laughs) to uh, go a bit postal, as it were. It's all an excuse. As soon as he hears, oh, "Oh, the last guy did this to his family, I'm blaming it on the ghosts. Yes, yes. Uh, But he takes a winter caretaker position at the remote Overlook Hotel in the Rocky Mountains, which closes every winter season which this time I really clocked, that they close their season October 30th. Oh. So they, he, they should be starting on Halloween. But we, they, we after they take the tour of the place, they just go one, one month, month later. We skip over Halloween. It feels like we're being trolled of it by, by Kubrick. <sighs> um, in his interview with the manager, Stuart Ullman, Stuart advises Torrance that a previous caretaker, Charles Grady, killed his family and himself in the hotel. And Jack is like, can't wait to tell the wife she's a real horror hound. And like, I don't think he ever tells her. No. I don't. Something about Shelley Duvall in this movie strikes me is that uh, that she's not seeing a lot of horror films. No, no. It could be all of her actions. Yeah. Although I will say. Watching, like thinking about having this whole place to yourself as a writer's retreat, I was I mean. like drooling <laughs> with envy. I was like, I'm gonna sit there, little typewriter, big desk, fireplace. Oh my gosh! I was like, this is amazing. And then, of course, they've paid for your food. You're just there, and you, maybe you cook it, but like that gets you out of your writing. I was just like having a moment of. <laughs> envy as someone who can't find the time to write as much as they would like because it's busy in new york well there's a lot to be done in a day-to-day life i get it i get it um as a fellow writer i get it it's like jack just figure it out my guy because he was what did he used to do before oh he's a school teacher school teacher yikes i can't imagine this guy's a school anything other like than a college prof- teacher and even yeah. then but uh, even then it's like it's like alan rickman and seminar where you're like this guy's yeah. quite cruel is yeah. it for his own pleasure <laughs> probably yeah. it's alan rickman as snape jack nicholson's going yeah. through a school and he's just taken 10 points from all the students <laughs> and you're like of what you're final why because you looked at me don't look at professor jack before he's had his coffee what what's that bottle you're pouring into your coffee? Shut up, Tyrone. Um, so uh, it is as I said, Jack, his wife Wendy, and their young son Danny. While he's getting this interview with Stuart Ullman about taking the position, uh, his son Danny has a premonition and seizure. 
we get this amazing scene with uh, uh, the uh, doctor, the doctor, and uh, Wendy just talking about like oh and he had surgery like what, what was that for it's like oh it's just you know one of those things like he where jack just like you know he's playing pulls too hard or whatever and it's it's so well done where you have like shelly duvall clearly very uncomfortable trying to find the way to divulge enough truth without feeling like a betrayal of jack or like I, you shouldn't intervene in this situation that's clearly like domestic violence you know yeah but then the tone of her voice in this long shot on her where she's like oh, you know, you know, he had the papers out and, you know, all this. And then it cuts back to the doctor who and who's sitting on the couch, like with this look of horror on her face. Yeah. And I just thought it was the stark contrast between that. It's like, yes, good. Also, because so often, I mean, especially in like 1980. Right. Are we really like talking about that sort of thing that much? And we're really not. And we, we are by... Yes. not more that we're the fact that we're not that yeah right like oh you know he danny had all of his like toys or his paper like all these he had taken like jack's papers and right. they were like all over right, the right 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 floor. And, and so he like yanks him and dislocates his shoulder yeah to the point that the kid yeah has to have surgery was that what yeah, you said i think that's, that's i mean it's said. clearly bad um I'm but like, also then the threat of violence is hanging like heavily permeates. yeah exactly yeah, from the jump Jack wants nothing to do with this. Yeah, family. they're in the car. He, they, everything they say grates on him so much. He's like, I'm hungry. Well, you should have eaten your breakfast. Is like this, like, mm, oh, well, like vibe. But it's just the grin is just so yeah. taut. Um, like it is a mask pulled tight over a face, mm. this grin. That's the scariest thing about this movie to me is just, I mean, you're just waiting. You're waiting from the jump for this yes. guy to lose it. Snap. Uh, we, they get the tour of the Overlook. We meet head chef Dick Halloran, uh, the great scat man Crothers, who gets this little sweet scene with Danny. He's like, do you mind oh, if I give Danny some ice cream? It's great. This kid is great. And just like watching the two of them together is like, because also I didn't realize how old Scatman Crothers was when oh, yeah. he filmed. He's like, like 70 or yeah. something like that it's just like so this like tiny little boy and this much older man just like really beautiful in this in this film without a lot of light in it you know no it's very true and we get this nice long scene where dick realizes that danny has the shining as does dick this ability to he's got a shine to him they can shine. like he can com communicate telepathically uh sense things can, yes and can sense things uh, and so you know, he tells him, it's like, if you if you ever need me, you can shine to me. Um, and then Dick is out of there. And we, as I said, cut one month later. Our family is settled, settling into the Overlook as, you know, Wendy and Danny are explore the grounds and are trying to make this uh, routine. And they're Jack like going and playing around in the giant maze. Right, right. That great, See. that great sequence of shots where you have Jack like roaming around and he sees the model of the oh my maze God. and he looks into it and then it transitions into a shot where it's an actual shot of the outdoor maze with the two of with wendy and danny in their coats and everything you can see them having found the center of it i was like is this movie going full beetlejuice are we having this little uh, tiny kinda. town that they're somehow also living in tiny town <laughs> halloran also tells danny to avoid room 237 while he's there which is that the room that the other guy killed his family seems or? like I can't, I can't remember yes. that um, that seems to be the implication right danny begins having these frightening visions including one of two twin girls who are 
the daughters of the previous caretaker. Jack's mental health begins deteriorating. He's getting nowhere with his writing. He's prone to violent outbursts. He wakes up from this dream. And Wendy's like, it's okay. It's a dream. He's like, I had the most awful dream that I murdered you and Danny. I just chopped up your bodies. And to be fair, he does look like it was a bad dream. Yeah. But still. Part of me was wondering while that was happening, I was like, is he lying about this just to toy with her? But then it didn't seem to like pay off that way. He did seem to be upset by it. I do feel based off the movie that we are getting, it does feel that he is someone that like is an abusive father, but, but that, and well, and clearly partner as well. Yeah. Alcoholic that yes. Yeah. But that, um, without malice to it, it just, it does seem that he is just someone that has so much simmering rage. He has not dealt with any of the underlying issues. Absolutely. Um, this is a man who will go on one day to co-star with Adam Sandler and anger management for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Because he needed money. Um, Um, why else would you make Adam anger management with Adam Sandler? Um, but that he is like, not necessarily, I'm not coming up to the cabin to murder my family, but. That combined with this, this, the hotel itself, whatever the movie is very, is not really explaining much in regards to this. But that he, he walks in and it's as though he'd been there before and he feels like a kind of affinity with it, which if the place as, um, Halloran says, like some places have a kind of a shine to them too. If it's a place that also is kind of like in the way that the one ring will whisper (laughs) the name of the person to get them to put it on. Then it feels like there's a bit of that going on. That's oh, like, don't go in room 237. She lobbed the spiders behind there. Hey, you don't want to find she lobbed just lying away for you. You do not. But yeah, it feels like combined with all the simmering rage and this hotel is trying to push Jack in this direction that we do get like that this nightmare scene I do feel is like legitimate. We are getting like the few glimpses of him like really being like, oh, I shouldn't do this. Hate my family. Mm. That end. This scene where Danny is like, can I go get what is his toy? My like, fire my, truck. My fire truck from the room. And like, you know, your dad was up really late. So he he's like just sleeping. went to sleep a couple hours ago. He's like, I won't wake him. And as he goes in, he looks you, the camera pans over and there's Jack sitting on the bed. Staring into space. Staring into space. It's and he's terrifying. Just like, Come over here, Danny. And like, that, I think that's when you were like, oh, no. <laughs> No, no, no. And he just like holds him, but it is just like, he's just staring off into space, like dead eyed. And it does feel like, I think this is one of the most fascinating scenes of the film. I loved this little scene. You also don't get much between the two of them like this. When you see Danny, like you you wouldn't actually hurt us, would you? And you see like that such like the slow dawn of like, what? Like as he's kind of coming back to life. And how he immediately starts to blame it on Wendy. When in reality, it's that the kid is like incredibly perceptive and has, you know, a little man that lives in his mouth telling him. (laughs) Yes, we can't forget that he is Tony. 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 Hey, Tony. (laughs) Sorry, Mrs. Torrance. Uh, Danny ain't here. If this doctor shined a little pen light into his mouth, uh, you'd see a little teeny James Gandolfini in the back there. It's me, (laughs) Tony. I would love if instead, like, where's Danny? And he just does a little finger move and it's just like, Danny isn't here right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, you want some gabagool? Oh my God. This, uh, also the scene of him like trying to get his fire truck and there's his dad like just staring off into the distance like a madman. 
uh, I would love because there is at least one game of The Shining, like some like board game or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's very creative and very well done. But what it should be is just a paint job over the classic 90s Hasbro game. Don't wake daddy. Oh, there's no ghosts. There's no ghouls. There's no hedge maze. It's the whole game is just a snoozing Jack Nicholson. And you just got to get around before he wakes up. You wake up. That that's big the bad last wolf. guy I want to wake up yeah, is no, a 1980 no, Jack Nicholson. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, we see Danny gets physically bruised after visiting the now unlocked room 237. And he shouldn't have gone in, but it was open and he was just, you know, riding that little, those iconic shots of him riding his little tricycle around. Where it's just like so loud going with the floorboards and then so quiet going with the carpet and then so loud again. And it's uh, the sound design, the sound design in this film is so good. Jack is... In the gold room, he goes to the bar, and there's bartender Lloyd. And Jack does not look surprised at all to see this ghost bartender and just gets himself a whiskey. Wendy shows up to be like, you... Oh, no, that's right. Wendy, after his nightmare, Wendy chews him out, assuming Well, because the nightmare happens, and then Danny Danny wanders in, and she's like, did you do this to him? Yeah. Um, Which makes sense, honestly. Who else is it gonna be? She knows it wasn't her. And he's just had this nightmare. So she like runs off. And so then he's like. Unless some wayward moose wandered in. I think it might be. then they haven't got opposable thumbs. Mm, True. Thank God. So then he. Oof. Then he wanders into the gold room and he's like, she said this about me, you know, right, and then right, it's like, right. so he's breaks now his streak break, of, yeah. of being on the wagon right. with his imaginary bourbon. And uh, then she comes running in, clutching the baseball bat and being like, there's you out of your mind. There's a strange woman. Danny said she strangled him. <laughs> oh, Shelly. Shelly. Uh, yes. Yeah, so he goes to investigate in room 237. Oh, this whole thing. Just this naked woman, a sexy naked woman in the bathtub. And just Jack like, is just staring like, like whoa. Bingo jackpot. Hey, now jackpot indeed. I like to imagine that Jack in the 70s and 80s, maybe even to today, that when he sees some, like when he would see like a sexy woman, he just thinks to himself, <laughs> "Jackpot!" Mm-hmm. Uh, but he goes to smooch this uh, this woman, and then she turns into a disgusting, rotting, flaky corpse, old corpse. It woman. was at this point that I just started going, "Ew! No! No! <laughs> ew! No! No!" <laughs> I mean, very effective. Very effective. Then when. When old corpse lady starts getting up trying to like give him a hug, yeah. you know, and no, it's kind of like, thank you. you deserve this, well, sir. Take true. it. Enjoy. That's true. So now Jack is just fully on the side of the house, fully on the side of the hotel. He tells Wendy's like, I didn't see anyone in there at all. All right. Going to go back to the, go- the gold room slash ghost room and just go get some more booze and hang out because yeah, this fancy it does, party they clear out all of the alcohol they keep all the food provisions there but they clear out the alcohol for insurance purposes so there's no there's no booze there and he like very reluctantly when they're getting the tour goes we don't drink <laughs> it's like great <laughs> uh, but not for lack of trying, trying. Uh, drinking that ghost booze half the calories <laughs> that's what that's what they say all boo no booze <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's something. It's just like when you need a little more spirit in your spirits. Hey. It's the Overlook brand. Oh, I'm going to be surprised. You could have some kind of shining themed whiskey. Oh, yeah. 
for people that don't really remember the, the movie we were like, like oh, oh fine cool. we're getting drunk like it's the shining you're like no don't drink don't around do your that in the little, shining little boy. it doesn't go well no um but while here he in this gold room with this party he, yeah he walks in and it's a giant party that right, people right. like from the 20s this old timey 1920s party. and i would like to say the attention to detail with the wardrobe and the makeup and everything on all of these background actors is incredible because sometimes you'll see a piece where they will like do period costumes and period makeup and it still looks so so 60s or so 70s this they did a really good job at making these people look like authentically out of like a a 1920s like photograph or something like because it's just very particular and it's not boosted in any kind of way it's not like late 70sified which is i think harder to do than we think sometimes so i thought totally it was very effective i was like well i definitely know what era we're supposed to be in yeah it's great and jack is just stamping around couldn't could not care that he is apparently traveled back in time or is seeing a bunch of ghosts this is like a horror film version of midnight in paris i was just imagining owen wilson just going through this hotel meeting famous literary figures just going oh wow like now i'm gonna get this axe um but i I didn't see that one so is it a time travel one it's Uh, it's owen wilson he's in paris and every night he goes through a little wormhole majig thing it's just a car picks him up and takes him to a bar. And in this bar is, oh, look, it's Ernest Hemingway. And, oh, there's uh, Tom Hiddleston as, uh, I don't know, some one of the Fitzgerald or something. F. Scott. F. Scott, thank you. He was maybe, in Paris around the day. He was also uh, a maybe friend Allison of Hemingway's. Zelda? Zelda? I don't know. I, I didn't, so. as I, I said, I didn't see it. some time. Not doing a lot of rewatches of Woody Allen films. Uh, but he, Jack meets Delbert Grady, who is the, this like butler waiter type figure here, yeah. but then realizes, oh, this is, you're the previous caretaker who killed the family as he's kind of clearly, it's like the hotel wants you to kill yeah, this your family. Incredible long scene in this bathroom between the two of them. It's also very jarring to go into that scene with so many people after we have been isolated with just the family for so long and, yeah. and Madam bathtub, you know, but then like, and Lloyd and, and Lloyd, Lloyd, but like, but yeah, it's but been, this, it's, it's been a while. A, such a big group scene. Yeah. And yeah. suddenly it's like, uh, so, cause even like when there were a lot of people in the hotel, everyone is leaving. Yeah. Like, it's really great that they're saying like, goodbye, Mr. So goodbye, Mr. Element, like to everyone, the whole time that it's happening. So like the, ho- the hotel is like shedding people in that first long sequence. Whereas here it's like, everyone is here. The hotel is full and like alive really for the first time that we see it, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's really cool. And then to go straight from that into this, like, of course, incredible looking bathroom with just the two of them for this extended scene adds to the creepy factor because it's contrasting where it's like, whoop, no one's going to walk in this bathroom. No, no worries ever about that. You know, (laughs) Danny reaches out to Halloran with his shine. So Halloran is now like starting the process of trying to like in Florida. Yeah. He's like trying to, he can't reach the overlook over the phones. He's trying to call like the local, the phone lines are down. There's a big snowstorm. Right. Like, would you mind radioing in? Like, I feel like they might need help. And then he gets to the point. He's like, I just need to like get myself there. Um, as, uh, 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 Delbert tells Jack that, Halloran the boys reached out to this guy with his talent and then Jack must correct his wife and child and this the iconic scene Wendy finally gets to read what Jack's been working on all these months and it's just 
all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy written over and over and again. And I forgot how it's like it's yes, different on every I single page. I love that. I remembered it as being kind of like lines on a chalkboard type thing where it's all like, yeah, and there's uniform. one or two of those pages. But yeah, it's formatted so many different ways, like as though it's a real novel. That detail, it's awful. It's truly like, <laughs> We did just rewatch, listener, before recording this, the uh, <laughs> Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, The Shinning, and I think this is our favorite joke was uh, when Marge she, goes to she read. Approaches, she goes, and whatever he wrote will be a window into his madness. <laughs> and it just says, feeling, feeling fine. fine. <laughs> totally centered. It's feeling an apostrophe. It's not feeling, feeling fine. Period. Also, goes, oh. I did not know you had such a good Marge Simpson. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Neither did I. Thank it's, you. That's good. I, I can't do a Marge Simpson. Um that i can do i can do i can do the disgruntled sound the like halfway to miss piggy kind of thing yeah it's a little miss piggy uh so jack is now fully threatening i'm not gonna kill you i'm just gonna bash your brains in as she's just swinging this bat it's so upsetting and also upsetting because i remembered they were awful to shelly duvall in the filming this but i don't remember the details that much so i'm also watching this going how thin is the line? And I'm sure you have some of this info, you know, and to, but just yeah. like, just like, why does he get to be a deranged psychopath, but like gets to be an actor doing it? And she has to be belittled and bullied into this performance. Why couldn't they actually possess Jack Nicholson with some ghosts for this movie? <laughs> Put him through some turmoil, too. God. Uh, no, I agree. I th- this is it's also it's Kubrick. So he's just loves loves to film one billion takes of everything so this is one of the scenes that was like an astronomical number of them going up the stairs again and again that's exhausting yeah but she does bonk him on the head with the baseball bat and he goes down the stairs she (laughs) manages to drag him into the kitchen pantry and lock him in this is a great shots where he's just like being dragged down the hall it's so good like a sack of potatoes but he's already messed with both the hotel's radio and the snow cat as it is now storming completely outside so they have no way of exiting we get i always would forget like the order i always thought the red rum was kind of sprinkled throughout but this is mainly just here of well you see it a couple times as as danny's having those visions you'll see it as it's written in the lipstick on the on the right um you know the door but we then see him do it and you realize you're actually he's seeing a vision of what that will be before him so you see it more than you hear it yeah, because I mean, this scene of Shelly's trying to get some rest and or Danny's. Wait, is it Danny sleeping or she's sleeping? But either way, this is the full like red rum, red rum. She's sleeping. That's right, because he just takes this knife and is just going. Then, yeah, with the yeah. lipstick, draws red rum. Shelly wakes up, understandably freaking out that her son's holding a knife. Like, well, because right she had her. that huge knife by her bedside right, to protect right, her right. from Jack. But then, of course, like her son, who is had a, a psychotic break and this kid's voice when he does this vocal fry tony Ooh. voice you know danny isn't here mrs torrance like it's just it's so upsetting the so sweet good. little kid and he's oh he's amazing yeah he's great he's great in this little uh danny lloyd so both both oh, him and jack nicholson lloyd. getting to play easier for a kid names. much easier for Agreed. a kid when you can be like danny and then what yeah like when our dog Brandy played Sandy in yes. the community theater production of Annie. <laughs> it's very that. Because if you said something with the syllables Andy, our dog would go, what? I, huh? think, I think I've said this on the pod before, <laughs> but like our dog growing up, her name was Katie, which when you're screaming from across the house, hey, 
like the dog would come running mm-hmm. in. I would be like, what? Because you couldn't tell if it was Amy or Katie, if you couldn't really hear the consonants. Oh, I haven't seen the film or been a while. Of course, Red Rum, uh, Wendy sees in the mirror backwards. Murder. Jack gets let out of the storage, like the storage food storage kitchen closet. thing by, by Brady and the ghosts. Uh, and goes after Wendy and Danny. Grady and the ghosts. Brother. Grady and the ghosts. Sure. Sure. Honestly. Sure. I see it. Why not? It's a Halloween bop. Grady and the ghosts. I guess it's not a bad name for a band. You're like, oh, it's a Shining reference. Oh, that's fun. I dig that. You're like, yes. It's also just a ripoff of Elton John. <laughs> Wait, what? No, but I mean like a band name called Grady and the Ghosts. Yeah, like, but then they name. then they pl- they start every concert with bump, by playing Benny bump, the Jets with. Oh, maybe that's it. instead of like the bump. They're like yeah. boo, boo. <laughs> Boo, 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 boo. It's an acapella choir. We've really got it nailed down. <laughs> and it's an acapella That's choir. That's how I'm justifying this vocal arrangement. Oh, okay. Hey, you know, <laughs> who am I to judge the artistic process? <laughs> uh, we get Jack. Another classic Jack uh, breaking down this door with the axe. The old here's Johnny. Yeah. The classic iconic shot of Shelley Duvall just screaming in terror as the axe is coming through right, like oh right. which so. uh, kubrick almost didn't use the take of here's johnny because he was not familiar with the reference he didn't he didn't know what that meant i don't know that, what it means oh, i only know from the shining it's johnny carson show oh, well you know what i never watched is that well fair enough but it's like literally that like, makes it's... that reference in the shining make a lot more sense now is why he's doing like 60 minutes uh-huh. jokes okay it sure does all right well that's me told you know <laughs> They apparently, which apparently helped this movie because the movie like it didn't, I forget how much it made overall box office, but it wasn't like, oh, it certainly wasn't a runaway hit from the jump, but they on Carson, they played that little clip like at the very beginning of one of the shows and everyone was like wait what is this what is jack nicholson what is it oh this is that new movie that nicholson is oh, in oh interesting got like mixed to bad reviews which helped get some butts in seats sure thankfully so thankfully so danny gets out through the bathroom window he's off into the hedge maze down the little snowbank it looks fun i must say uh him <laughs> i can down see little jeff being like i want to go through the window again well, our backyard had a big slope so like we didn't really go out to go sledding is this the often. backyard that i saw or yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which was the house that we lived in starting when i was in third grade and then my folks moved out now like seven yeah it was like it was shortly ago. after we got together so yeah. i i went a couple times to that house yeah, but, but a nice little slope that when your kid feels like a good chill good hill. sled and hill because it's steep enough to feel like you get a good sled down but not so steep that you're like i gotta <laughs> climb this ding ding thing back up now jack goes out is chasing after danny through the hedge maze oh and i how could i forget halloran after all this oh, rigmarole right. gets back to the hotel and immediately gets axed in the chair by Jack True, Nicholson. but but his arrival on the snowcat, number one, provides him with a working snowcat, but number True. two, they hear him coming, which is what stops Jack Nicholson from chopping up Shelley right. Duvall right then right, in right, the bathroom. Right, 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 so right. like his arrival really, I mean, did he need to be sacrificed? I don't think so, but that's how that happens. But he still like enables yeah. them both to escape, which if he doesn't arrive, there's there's no world in which. This is very yeah. true. This is very true. Apparently the bathroom door was a prop door built so it could be more easily broken. But Jack Nicholson oh. used to work as a volunteer fire marshal. So he tore it to shreds. This is all unsurprising. <laughs> so they then had to build a stronger door. So he's actually just tearing a door down with that. With you that also axe. know, like, 
I don't know. There's there's sometimes when you do like stage combat where it's like, okay, this isn't really like I'm having trouble selling this. But there are just certain things you're like, I do not need any help to sell this. And like, especially if you're like, like when I took karate for like six months, a few years back, I was like, I like this maybe too much. Like, (laughs) I was like, maybe it's really good for me to be punching and kicking things. Like, I'm really working out my aggression. This is great. Oh, hey, multiple times I've been like, should we go to this rage room where you can pay to just smash but old there's something, TVs There's something different about like that versus like you have a big pad that you're hitting kind of thing. And it's just like I'm like you learn good punching and kicking techniques so that we don't yeah. injure ourselves as I am <gasps> always want to do. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had a voice teacher who would keep a tennis racket like on the couch, like right. So he had a big piano and then he his couch was like nearby. And you'd stand there next to the couch. And sometimes he'd be like, okay, take the tennis racket and like get one of the pillows and set it flat. He's like, I just want you to like smack as hard as you can the tennis racket against the pillow a few times. And then we'll do some scales and you'll keep smacking while you do it. Because a lot of us are like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to sing right. He's like, get into your body. You must be mad about something. Know. You're in show business. <laughs> so all I'm saying is Jack Nicholson, that makes sense to me. I also am like, maybe I would want to, if I didn't have to do like 200 takes of it, well, like yeah. then maybe I would want to chop through a door and be like, let me at that thing. <laughs> Although I have tried to chop firewood once and it didn't go well for me, but a door <laughs> seems less complicated. Maybe. Yeah. I guess you. it's not as thick as having to go through a, a log. Well, sometimes the problem <laughs> that we ran into this uh-huh. day, I was chopping wood, is like they had knots in them and so it got caught oh. in the knot the like Ugh. hatchet head and that is very very difficult to extricate whereas plywood Ugh. is plywood look i know we we just trying to build a fire we're just trying to stay heated but at what cost <laughs> all this this chopping firework it's for the birds like it's for I, the birds. let some I mean, bird like, do it i get it but i mean it's just got to be a nice easy invention that just goes and you slice the old slice and dice yeah, for your yeah it's called for your you logs. go and you buy it at the store yeah, but I'm saying before that. I'm before sure. Before that. I'm before. sure now there is, but I feel like there's still people chopping their own wood. And like, I get it, but like, we're weird not all flex, Nick Offerman. Bro. We're not all Nick Offerman. We're not, we cannot all be Nick Sadly, Offerman. Sadly, we cannot all be Nick Offerman. Good Lord, are we trying? But we, we cannot sure are. be Nick Offerman. Anyway, Danny going through this hedge maze, getting followed by Jack gets misled our film ends pretty suddenly like jack just kind of loses the thread of where well, danny it's is it's great because we've established that wendy and danny spent many hours together wandering around the hedge maze and learning how to find the center and get out of it and jack never did the hedge maze. never wanted to spend time with his family although he did see the little tiny town version of the hedge maze That's so true, if he was smart he could have been utilizing that knowledge. i don't think he's a real like patterns counting cards guy you know i think he's uh you know he's kind of like well i'm not doing that I don't see how this has value to me. Right. I'm going to throw this this ball against a wall for conservatively seven hours. And that'll be my day. Jack's idea. Throw oh, the really? ball against the wall. It's it just great. says Jack does not write. <laughs> <laughs> or or Jack does not get any writing done. It's like, is the scene. So they're just like, what are options of that? And he was that's like, I'm just going to be whipping this And that's so much wall. more active than like, harumph, you know. Right, right. <laughs> balling up a blank piece of paper and throwing it in the trash. <laughs> uh, but Wendy and Danny get away in the snow cat. We cut to Jack just like, boom, and he's dead oh, and frozen so with his eyes open. So, so good. Uh, and finally, we end the film just see, looking at this photograph in the hotel hallway where old Jack is pictured standing amidst a crowd of party revelers from July 4th, 1921. It's so good. And, and I turned to you when we were watching this and I said, 
you gotta love a reveal that raises more questions than it answers yeah. at the end of the movie. I was like, I kind of, I'm obsessed with that. Yeah, my, what I'm deciding, because I did read The Shining, but it's been so long, I don't remember the explanations outside of that it's built on an old Indian burial ground right. and X, Y, Z. But based off the fact that like Jack is in that picture and that the other former caretaker is now working as like a servant and like his language about like, oh, you've always been here. Like, yes. We've always been here. I'm choosing that it's like partially like a reincarnation type of deal. So like that Jack like was there in the 1920s. And then now like the people get called back to the yeah, hotel yeah. now in a, they're no, in another life as if to be like, no, 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 you belong here. You're coming back home. To the overlook. That's my thoughts of why he's in this picture or it's magic. <laughs> or it's just creepy ghosts. Grady and the ghosts. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> the casting director of The Shining was James Leggett. Leggett has also cast such films as Dr. No, 2001, A Space Odyssey, and A Clockwork Orange. Hmm, a couple of coobs. <laughs> a couple of coobs. No, not Dr. No. Imagining, doc imagining Stanley Kubrick's James Bond is something. That's a Dr. No for me. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> Honestly, I'm... Yep. Get me some weird director to do a, a Bond film. Oh, 100%. I'm, I'm interested in that, actually. Uh, but let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance, and Amy Jo is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. Let's kick it off with Jack Torrance. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Jack Nicholson, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I think if you had asked me to do a fantasy cast of this before a rewatch based on what I remembered, I mean, I have a lot of ideas for this, but I almost might have had more because the more I watched it, the more like indelible the performance became. I was like, oh, right, because I have all the images in my mind, like I remember it, but then seeing it again, it's like, holy crap, he's really good in this, like so upsetting. It's so good. Um, so let's see. Let's see. What do I have here? I thought if this were like today, mm -hmm. I'm like, probably Adam Driver, right? I also have Adam I'm Driver. I'm sure on my you list. do. Like, who's mad? Who's mad and intense? <laughs> oh, I know, Adam Driver. Um, if this were made actually <laughs> is, if marriage story just like took a sharp pivot <laughs> halfway through and Scar Joe and Adam Driver are subtly we can make this work. We just have to spend a few months in this hotel. Yeah, or if what if, you know, suddenly at the end we have Jack Nicholson singing Sondheim, you know, like we can I you know I can I mean, see it happening. You know, Kubrick had Malcolm McDowell singing Singing, in the, singing in the Rain. I could see Jack uh Absolutely. What what's Sondheim? What's Sondheim? We're well, 1980. By 1980 company was out. So he Sweeney Todd was out. Yeah. So maybe more appropriate. <laughs> Swing bit. your razor wide, Sweeney. <laughs> Hear it singing. Yes. Well, swing your razor wide, Johnny. That's it. That's it. So yeah, if this were made like a decade earlier, oh. like George C. Scott. Oh, yeah. I just I was like, ooh. Yeah. Ooh, he would have been good in this. Hot off the heels of Dr. Strangelove. Well, and yeah, Dr. Strangelove, Patton kind of, sure, you know, just sure. like, I mean, it's funny because Nicholson doesn't really do theater, right? But he has the energy of a theater actor Yeah. in that he's not afraid of size. He plays largesse and like very full throttle in the way that it's one of the things that I love about like Kevin Klein, um, and Raul Julia, but they also like come from the Shakespearean tradition. So it yeah. like makes sense on them. And not that there's not like a lot of great screen actors who play with size, but like it is more usual that those actors 
also at least got their start in the theater. And maybe Nicholson did, but I think he mainly yeah, was out doing even thinking movies. of like Pacino. Pacino was like, that's they cast him in Godfather when he was doing a off-Broadway yes. play. Yeah, you know? and he's returned to Broadway a few times. He sure like, has. To varying degrees of yeah. success, but he's interested in it, which right. like tells me something about also like, you know, just what what they're willing to do on on screen. So, but George C. Scott, famously a theater actor, someone yeah. who also just like very much fills whatever space he's in. Dig I don't it. know. I can see it. Also more contemporary, a Michael C. Hall. Mm, I mean, um, sure. Uh, makes sense to me. A Michael Shannon. Um, yeah. If this were made, if this were made like around 2000. I mean, Michael Shannon's check is, <laughs> is just picturing Michael Shannon. Yeah. Yeah, it's unhinged from the jump. As a loving father. Is... Well, Jack Nicholson is never giving me that. Uh, you know? Well, yeah. I also yeah. have seen Michael Shannon on stage be very soft and like give no, beautiful course. performances. You know, so like same, same. It is something about the way the screen like magnifies his like kind of oversized features that makes yeah. it seem more terrifying. But like if you have a really good director, you can shoot that in a way that like what's right. so sure. great about that scene with the two of them when when jack is definitely not sleeping is that it feels so ominous and you're like wait does he actually mean this does he mean it in this moment yeah. does he actually mean, like but it walks that line of like what's happening here sure. and like michael shannon's one of our finest actors sure um is. if this is like around 2000 i'm very interested in like denzel um oh. just thinking Maybe to that, I mean, like he could still do it today, yeah. but thinking about like that, just kind of like, like not quite the young guy, but like giving more of like, you know, training day, just thinking of him in training day in particular, sure. just like, yeah, yeah. like, Ooh, that's someone with a lot going on. But especially, I mean, but like that is like its own thing, but picturing Denzel in this, Denzel is someone who is like, Oh, you've dislocated your son's arm. Yeah. Like you're an alcoholic and you are now just with an ax is like distressing to pick is like not yeah. to the level of Tom Hanks, but is like Denzel is like Denzel can't do that. Yeah. No. Yeah. So that would be very well, upsetting I, I in potentially a very good way. Yeah. One of the things that's really effective about training day is yeah. you're like, oh, he's so charming. Oh, no. You know? <laughs> well, I guess he's not so charming. He's, like, playing all the all But the yeah, he's charismatic. Yeah. Very charismatic. Yeah. Yes. Which I think you need to put this across, you know? Like, to to be able to stay with this guy and be like, yeah. what am I looking at and why? <laughs> and then this is someone who, like, yes, Adam Driver is the person that would cast in it now. And maybe this is someone who is, like, probably around the same age, but I feel like still might need a little more time to age into it but like jake gyllenhaal oh, i'm interested yeah, in definitely. and then if this is a comedy give me like uh late 90s jim carrey <laughs> yeah sure i wouldn't be surprised if jim carrey didn't do a parody of this on in living the, color at uh, some exactly point. it feels very something about the just the vocal attack on everything i'm like i i see it i see something about it i can't not see his face i would bet you $20 right now that Jim Carrey in some 90s comedy has said here's Johnny here's someone yeah but with the inflective pattern that indicates this is a shining reference here's Grinchy exactly here's Andy Kaufman since I never <laughs> here's the man on the moon um since I never saw that Grinch I here's me myself and Irene <laughs> here's the majestic um 
<laughs> here's the majestic. I think it does work better probably if it's like, here's Truman. But uh, <laughs> I'm picturing him axing down a door. And then of the old movie house? His head is a, the full a movie house. Is a movie house poking at his head, an old-timey movie house. As he just goes, here's the majestic. Jim Carrey will do anything to sell a movie. Uh, anything for a laugh, uh. old Jim. I've got my picks as well. And but I will say that Stephen King's like big thing about this and a lot of people's oh, issues. Yeah, I know nothing about the book, so feel free to inform me and the listener. Well, on the page, Jack is a much more unassuming man who it, it is like it's still a fact. This I do remember that he did like the arm is dislocated or whatever the actual injury was from Danny. Mm hmm. And that he is a recovering alcoholic, that he is now sober. But it's a slow burn before it's like all of this. Whereas As opposed the, to this movie, which is a slow burn, but because you, you know, know something bad is happening from the jump. It's a slow burn. It's it's just got a long fuse. Yes. But that fuse is lit You're from so the beginning. Right. You're, the dread begins with that first shot. Whereas this is, as written on the page, he's a more quote-unquote normal, mm. typical protagonist. So in King's eyes... It's a lot more shocking than to see that dad lose control Absolutely. opposed to this. And there were complaints that Jack is just and now just scenery chewing sure. the way that Jack is wont to do. I saw the departed. Yeah. I mean, you know, thinking of Cuckoo's Nest, of, yeah. you know, he's, he's a man not afraid of size. And I think he's used it to so many amazing performances effects. and well, so much amazing effect. And the thing is, if you look at your average family annihilator, they're often people that people are shocked to find out that this person has like killed their yeah. family and, and fled the country or whatever. Like people are often stunned because like, they're very good at like playing one vibe yeah. and at vibe that playing one face and then like, you know, making a decision and, and, you know, doing the thing. So like, right. I totally, I totally get that, but that does perhaps make more sense, but that's also not the movie that's being made here. It's not the movie that Kubrick wanted to make. Jack Nicholson was his first choice for the role of Jack Torrance. But it is the difference of like, as far as thinking of this movie as a more traditional horror film, like with mm. a more traditional arc opposed to this, where it's like from the jump, it's just the creeping dread because everything is not right. Like this family is not right. Clearly, Jack is not right before we get to the overlook. Like everything is bad. off and off, bad. Off is a better way of putting it. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> no, it, it's also bad. But so I have some thoughts. I think for the time, my alternates that would work out age-wise that are a bit more subdued. Robert Duvall, I think, could be really good. Like someone who yeah. could also, he can build to a lot of intensity and fury and rage. But he, I mean, he's like in The Godfather. He's like the yeah. gentle voice exactly. of reason. He's the peacemaker. Exactly. So that's why he's, mm. I think it'd be interesting to get someone like him. Or I think I could see the Richard Dreyfus version of this. You totally don't. I mean, but you don't expect that type guy to go off. But then he is also someone who plays with intense amounts of rage. Yeah. 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 So those are the two that I could see at the time. Made later, definitely Adam Driver. I could see, I could see a Sam Neill version of this, like in 1990, oh, The Shining. Not my Sam Neill. Not your Sam Neill. Um, well, how about this? I could see William Hurt in this role yes. quite easily. Um, I think if this is made a decade later, or even like five years later, I think if you want something very similar to Jack Nicholson's performance, you're getting Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah. Who I feel like thinking of Michael Keaton, I think he just tends to zig towards comedy 
where Nicholson tends to zag more towards drama. Yeah. But looking at their performances, I'm like, I see a lot of overlap in terms of, oh, I could yeah, see Michael yeah, Keaton yeah. in Cuckoo's Nest. Yes. And honestly, like when I think of Beetlejuice, I think when I was younger, I sometimes thought, is that Jack Nicholson or Michael mm. Keaton? I can't remember because I never really watched yeah. the movie when I was younger, younger. It made watching Batman very difficult because I couldn't keep track of which one was Batman <laughs> and which one was the Joker. Who's who? <laughs> oh, thank God. I got this clown makeup on the one guy. I think Batman? No, the Joker's <laughs> the clown. Dang it. Um, also made earlier, give me Daniel Day-Lewis. I think sure. will be great. I mean, Although I'm terrified of yeah. what this role means for method actor. <laughs> I don't want to um, know. I don't like it. But made today. And partially... It's that he's kind of rocking a similar hairstyle. David Harbour is... Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, number one with the bullet. Like, if they were to make a new miniseries I'm or a new that. movie of The Shining, like, the colors that he works with just on Stranger Things, nothing else, is the combination of, like, begrudging, like, paternal father figure. Like, he has that element. Uh, and then just simmering rage about everything. Yeah. Uh, that I think David Harbour would rush this oh, role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were many changes to the script during shooting. So many that scene changes were made almost daily. And Jack Nicholson claimed that he stopped reading it. He would read only the new pages that were given to him for the day's shooting. And he said eventually when presented with a revised scene, he would just throw it in the trash knowing another was coming anyway. So that's what we were working with on wow. the filming of The Shining. Sounds like it was a real pleasant time. <laughs> Everyone had a real good working experience. I, this might be my favorite trivia for the film. Oh, boy. Because the, it lacks context. And maybe if I did a little more research, I would have found the context. But I can't imagine it would make it make more sense. This is what I read. To get Jack Nicholson in the right agitated mood. He was fed only cheese sandwiches for two weeks, which he hates. <laughs> and it's that for two weeks, comma, which, which he, he hates. Because I could very easily understand what's wrong with that. That sounds like I the love dream. cheese. Cheese sandwiches. Um, okay, so it sounds like they terrorized Shelley Duvall, <laughs> but they were also manipulating Jack Nicholson. Which... No, no, no. I think he manipulated them. You... Who hates cheese sandwiches? People who are lactose intolerant. Okay, well, if they're giving Jack Nicholson the runs for two weeks, then yes, he's going to be pretty pissy. You're right. But I have a feeling that he's just like, oh, I hate it when you really load on the smoked Gouda. And if some apple bacon manages to find its way in there, oh boy, are my clams going to be steamed. <laughs> Just like what of all the ways it's like, you know, Hugh Jackman was taking cold showers every morning to get into the but mindset of Wolverine. Hugh Jackman's choice. Hugh Jackman is like, you know, what would be good is so, if so you're I took saying a this wasn't shower. Nicholson's choice. Was he being force fed these cheese? Was, it sounds was he trying like that's, to, but like, what, what are they going to do? Stop him from eating anything else? He's I Jack don't know. Nicholson. Maybe that's what they're bringing to his trailer. He could just leave set and go drive to a Mickey D's. He's that's Jack. True. He's going to get it delivered to him along okay, with his Okay, so maybe I'm wrong. It sounded like, it's, it sounded like this is what Kubrick's like. No, he must only have cheese. And he, 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 he only must eat cheese. it from my hands. I'm <laughs> going to feed him like a baby bird. Um, so yeah, don't know what about the cheese sandwiches Jack hates. And that breakfast, lunch, and dinner situation, I guess. I, I don't know, but it's Honestly, hilarious. it sounds like the dream. Oh, I, no. I, know, I had to eat. But I bet also, like, if you think about... <laughs> we're not talking necessarily a grilled cheese. We're not talking about, like, a nice, like... Yeah 
Colby Jack, and you it's know, just one slice. We're talking about one, one slice, slice craft single craft American. So it's a it's a white t- bread. It's tough to choke it down. You We're talking really, not not a not a drop of a condiment. You gotta dunk it in your glass of cold water just to Ew. be able to sit down. <laughs> oh, now I'm really thinking about how it is. It is fully like tomato soup and grilled cheese weather. And oh. I gotta get on. Hey, now we're talking. I am down for that. Uh, so let's chat about the other actors who actually were okay. up for this role. Sounds like the conceit of our podcast. Let's do it. Right off the bat, here is who Stephen King wanted. Here's Johnny. King, because he wanted a more unassuming man. What'd you say? Here's, here's Johnny. Johnny. King wanted here's right Johnny. Right off the bat. Here's right Johnny. Johnny. Here's Johnny. Johnny, Johnny Carson up for Jack Torrance. Didn't know him to be much Ooh, of an actor. Um, Because he's not. No. Uh, but... John Voight is, and that's who King wanted as a more unassuming man. I mean, I think he won an Oscar a few years prior, so he's got a lot of acclaim at this point. I the get cloud. the face, and I get it's hard not to just conjure a certain idea of it John is. Voight when it's you true. say the name John Voight in the year 2022. It's true, it's true. And but what I think about is what I, the image that I like, which is picturing him frozen to death <laughs> outside a hedge maze. <laughs> it, I mean, I can, I can see it. It makes sense. I mean, he's so tall too, though that the, it's you know that's true. Unassuming, but you can do like the whole gentle giant following. thing. But yeah, mm-hmm. King really liked the idea of getting Martin Sheen. Oh, and that I that, so I get, get it from the like. Yes, you are not a guy that I assume is going to end the film. No, you're going to go a, on and play the, the dang president. Right, exactly. Even you know he's coming off of Apocalypse Now. That was like the '79, I think. So he wow. would have been. Apocalypse Ooh. Now Too Shining. But the idea of Martin Sheen after the filming process of Apocalypse He's like, Now. No, thank you. I don't need to spend another full year making a single film, my guys. Give Was me. Was this a year? Not a, f- I don't believe a full year, no, but. Apocalypse now might be over a year. That makes a little more sense because of how much they were outdoors and like how, you know. This was fully, I I can't remember offhand, so I'm approximating, but I want to say somewhere in the seven to nine month range. Wow. Wow. Kubrick. It's Kubrick. Oh, because they're doing, you know, however many takes of one. I get it. But wow, that's terrible. King liked the idea of a Christopher Reeve. This is the year of Superman 2, so huh. that's about the age that Christopher Reeve would when be here. When was Death Trap? A little later? Death Trap's like a little later. 82? Well, but very handsome. Close-ish, but I think, I think Death Trap might be a little closer to the late 80s. Oh. I could be mistaken, but... Regardless. Huh. Either way, around that age. Yeah, so you younger, certainly, it would be younger patriarch. You would get more shock value for sure that this is like, this guy's coming unglued. Yeah. I don't know if I see it. I don't know. I mean, I didn't see all of Christopher Reeve's work, but it's hard to picture. It's definitely the end harder to picture results. for sure. Uh, <laughs> it'd be not as hard as it is to picture our next actor, Chevy Chase. <laughs> I'm just going to go with a no. 1980. He instead had Caddyshack. So much better choice. Yeah, I mean, Chase. It, it, it did him great. And he had this movie. Oh, heavenly dog. Where a murder detective must avenge his murder after he is reincarnated as a dog. Now, are we getting, is this the backstory to Columbo's dog? I'm wondering now. Like It, it must be. It's the only way to justify such a film. Uh, James Brolin was considered. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, I got it. Uh, instead, in 1980, he had, which I'm going to give you the synopsis of this film and then lead up to the title. Where he plays 
a tough New York City ex-cop who relentlessly searches for his kidnapped teenage daughter, who is being held by a twisted psycho after mistaking her for the daughter of a wealthy businessman in Night of the Juggler. It was sounding pretty <laughs> ominous. Until like a pretty, that you're pretty title. basic. Like, oh, he's a cop. It's a, it's a Liam a Neeson joint, you know? Yeah, it's a Liam Neeson. I w- they could remake actually, this today with Liam, Liam Neeson. Neeson would be good in The Shining. Actually, now that Liam I'm Neeson, about it, actually great, oh, great casting. casting. You know, sometimes these things just come to one as one is talking about the thing. Yeah. That's really good. I like it a lot. I like that a lot. Yeah, thanks. Leslie Nielsen. We must remember that our experience of Leslie Nielsen is completely clouded by the airplane franchise. Which came out this year. Yes, exactly. The first airplane so, like, movie. no one thought of him right. as a comedic actor, which, no. of course, like our generation, yeah, that's all but. we know. Right. So, but along with Airplane, he was also in 1980 in the horror movie Prom Night with Jamie Lee Curtis. So oh, he, wow. Right. So this was like the turning of the tides. But yeah. like before this, dramas, horror films, Leslie Nielsen did a lot more things. But imagine if he did this in Airplane in the same year. <laughs> I'm legit speechless. Uh, now, who Kubrick liked, along with Jack Nicholson, he liked the idea of Harrison Ford. I do understand that this very affable guy, scruffily affable, going unhinged, is an interesting thing to follow. I just think it's more Jack Nicholson's bag. Oh, of course. But like, I mean, although I, Harrison I Ford, famed carpenter, he's having no trouble with accents. Famed carpenter. That's he's number, got it. The most important thing is that he's got to know his way around the tools. You got to have a carpenter or a volunteer fireman. You got to have someone who can swing an axe and know what they're doing. I don't have time to be teaching nobody how to swing no axes. <laughs> who is this? I don't, is but, this the prop guy or is this Kubrick? I like, I like uh, the idea that this is Kubrick's voice. Yeah, you know? I mean, I got to tell you, I haven't listened to a lot of interviews with Stanley Kubrick, so for a while I know this he sounds exactly like this. This is exactly how he sounds for like. For all I know, Stan, he sounds Stanley like this. Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, like Peter Sellers' character. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the year of Empire Strikes Back, so that's the age Harrison Ford that we could have gotten as Jack Torrance. But like, you know, it's thinking of our Working Girl episode. It was very disconcerting seeing Harrison Ford smile. I do (laughs) see Harrison Ford just, you know, well, you should have eaten your breakfast then if you're so hungry, Danny. But it's giving me more Sam Neill in Jurassic Park than Murderous Rampage. But then again, I didn't see it. Sure, maybe, maybe, I don't know. But that sound means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Jack, one was not. And Amy Jo is to guess which is which. Your options are Robert De Niro, Robin Williams, and Christopher Walken. Woo, she's a toughie today. Real toughie. We got it a De Niro. We got it a De Williams. We got it a De... who else? Oh, we got it a Christopher. We got Walken. it a Walken. How can I forget? Oh, that's a me. It's a me, Tony, the little boy that lives in a Danny's mouth. It's a me, Tony. I'm saying here to play the truth. Truth is a some guy. Truth is a some guy. Sorry, me says a Torrance. First yeah. prize at a gabagool. Second prize, <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> okay, just based on some of the other options, it's such a wide swath 
that it's hard to say. Like Christopher Walken makes a lot of sense if you're thinking like Kubrick wanted Jack Nicholson. Christopher Walken actually seems like a very logical second choice if it can't get Nicholson, but not what Stephen King would have wanted. So I'm also mm. like not sure on whose list these are. De Niro, a prestige actor. Angry? Yeah. Check. Robin Williams, not known for this kind of thing at the time, but like Good Morning Vietnam is happening around now? Not really. Oh. Like 88. But it seems like too strange a choice for you to put on here to not be real. But then again, you do love to double bluff me. Oh, just like, I don't know. I'm so innocent. Could be anything. I'm going to go just because I think it's maybe too good. Christopher Walken. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. That is correct. Victory is mine. Victory on our 100th episode. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. Wow, do I get 100 cupcakes? Y- yes, 100 cupcakes. Wow, great. Spread out over the course of the rest of our <laughs> lives. You're not going to go give me any cupcakes right now? Right now? Okay, listener, hold on a second. <laughs> Okay, we're back, and um, now we've um, eaten um, 100, 100 cupcakes. cupcakes. Boy, are we stuffed. <laughs> so, Kubrick considered De Niro, but changed his mind after seeing Taxi Driver as he deemed De Niro not psychotic enough wow. for the role. Wow. And in 1980, De Niro had a raging bull. So, great choice yes. for De Niro. And honestly, a better use of his kind of, like, fury as opposed to like I see it. Like, oh, I, I see it. I get it. It's it. but it's so interesting, isn't it? It's like very it's a fine line of like, okay, yes, he can like do that suppressing thing, but it just like it makes sense on him to like, I'm gonna be a boxer. Yeah, I'm not like seeing Nicholson. Him, I mean, I yeah, you're not getting I mean, well, also you don't get that for free with Nicholson of like he's the teacher who's now you get for free with Nicholson is that he's a madman who's gonna carve up his family from frame one. Absolutely. Uh, and Kubrick did not think Robin Williams would suit the role after watching him on Mork and Mindy and deeming him too psychotic for the role. (laughs) Hey, I've hung out with a lot of comedians, and I gotta say, fair play. Kubrick knew what was up. 1980, it's season two of Mork and Mindy, and this is the year of Popeye. So, like, this would have been Robin Williams' first movie or he would have had Popeye the idea of like hey let's go see the new picture with Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall and you walk into Shining instead of Popeye they're like oh no we took the we should not have brought these kids no you know what else Robin Williams would do with Shelley Duvall fairytale theater of course course. and he it was the frog prince and so when he became a prince of course he did a full stand-up set in oh, the episode. I, I thought you were going to say, of course, he did like a full frog bit where he's well, like hippity hopping and for around. For sure, of course. He did a full stand-up set. Yes, was, was there, not... Is there a lot of frog puns in a stand-up set? I believe so. A lot so. of like it's warts been, and all. Yes, it's, been, it's of... uh, stuff about like wells. You know, he's in a well. <laughs> stuff about a lot of wells. A lot jokes. of real well material. Um, <laughs> a real well of jokes there. Um, But uh, it's been years since I've watched it. But like, yeah, what are they, stupid? And Terry Gar is in that episode oh. as the princess. So. Yeah. Toots from Tootsie, right? Tootsie's Terry Gar. Oh, Tootsie's yeah, Terry Gar. The world's Terry Gar. Young Frankenstein's Terry Gar. Young Frankenstein, of course. I was like, what's the other thing I know Terry Gar from Young Frankenstein, which we are uh, still, we are in the early weeks of October recording this because we are recording in advance. So we got to watch that we Young Frankenstein oh, before so this month is out. One of the things I love about Young Frankenstein tunes, it's one of the older movies that you can still find a blooper reel from and it's all gene wilder just cracking up and that brings Uh, me such joy that he's just like gets the giggles i'm like i love that gene wilder got the giggles yeah you know thinking of young frankenstein gene hackman 
Now as that's Jack. that's more yes, that feels even more than like Bob Duvall to me. Like Gene Hackman yeah. seems more in the like so genial and also I don't know, this guy might be able to lose it at any moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, liking but it, liking I it. I think we've gotten some good picks. We've had I some good discussions, so I think we should move on to our next character, which is Halloran. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Scatman Crothers and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? He's really great. So like like I already talked about the scene with with him and Danny, but like for a relatively small part to have like such a big presence, you know, you have to land all the exposition in that one scene. Like not yeah. the not the exposition basic stuff, but all the like, this is how the magical world of the film is going to work exposition. I think he does like a really fantastic job of it. I struggled with this, right? Cause it's like very much like the magical Negro trope, but at the same time, he's so good in it. And it is like nice to have the presence of someone of color in this film, you True. know? So my first and best choice is, and this is going to be a bit wild, but like an older Samuel L. Jackson, like yeah. I want someone that is like I don't think that's wild at all. Like made today, like I think today, not makes not a lot like nineties yeah. Sam Jackson, but like made today. It's like you want someone who it's like very affecting to see the age gap between like him and the young kid. You know, obviously there's so many excellent people who could do this. I mean, it like right. made much earlier, like Carl Weathers. You know, th- there's there's like any number of of people who could do a great job. But I think what is so I don't know affecting about this actor is it's it's just like i haven't seen him in a ton of movies yeah it's really this and cuckoo exactly nest for me. so like when he comes on he brings such a particular presence that also is not for me like affected by having seen him in a ton of other stuff i'm really able to just like zone in on him in this in this scene in this film and I don't know, he also like fits so well into these super stylized worlds. Whereas like, you know, we've talked a lot about actors who are good at playing different kinds of tone and belonging to different kind of period films. And like, he just like fits so beautifully into this world. Yeah. Um, I love the shots of him in his like super stylish apartment in, in <laughs> Miami. Frame pictures of these naked yeah, women. Yeah, but like the shots where he's like in the front room making a phone call and like the lights are out, but the lights are on in the back room and it's like all these like blues and reds and everything. Like, so I don't know. I, you also just need to buy that this is someone who is going to like go out of their way to go help this child and this family and like, I think he's really affecting and yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah, I dig it. Uh, I so agree about Samuel Jackson and you didn't make me think of another, I think very underrated King film adaptation, which is 1408, which is based on one of his short stories that Samuel Jackson is in uh, with an actor who we not make fun of, but it's not really our fave is John Cusack, who is very good in 1408. And when he's honestly, good, he's very good. I could see John Cusack as a Jack. Mm, I yeah. see that. It's using that rage. rage. Yeah. yeah, I I can see it. I think he would actually be quite good in this. Um, if this was like a 2007 version of this movie with him, Samuel Jackson, and whomever as uh, in the other roles. Um, but the only two people I can think of are people for 1980. So mm. if you don't get Scatman Crothers, I think you you could get Ozzy Davis would be lovely here uh-huh. um or yes we all know that voice from those star wars films but you could give me a james earl jones here. oh very I, I would like a lot um he's always giving paternal energy yeah yeah 
Nicholson is the one who suggested Scatman Crothers for the film. Because he had just film. worked with him on Cuckoo. Exactly. Yeah. Crothers had a tough time on the movie. With Kubrick, I've seen this various ways. I've seen that it was something closer to like 50 or 60 takes of a scene. And I've seen that it was over 100 takes for a scene. Because, mm. well, as you said, this guy was like 70. 70. So he was having a rough go of it. Uh, his next film after this was Bronco Billy, which was a Clint Eastwood directed film. And Eastwood, if you didn't already know, loves to do a single take of a film and move on to wow. the next shot. Clearly someone who was an actor before <laughs> they were a director. <laughs> he apparently loves just be like, all right, whenever you're ready. And then mm, that's enough of that. And then you're done. <laughs> so Crothers broke down in tears on his first scene in the film when he realized that that was it. Oh. Like, you don't need me to do more takes. You don't need me to do a hundred takes of me walking through a hallway. Clint. Uh, so thank God Aww. for that. It's the idea of like, if that, like, that's what I mean. Like going from apocalypse now, if you're a Martin Sheen yeah. to this is like, no. I have to go from one hellish long filming experience to another. I mean, that's also just like knowing who it is you're like getting into bed with, so to speak. It's yeah. like, okay, you know that if you're doing a Kubrick movie by that point, you know, like it's going to be like a zillion takes and like, you have to kind of go, is this a thing that I want to do? You know, right. and you have someone like Scatman Crothers, who's not at the level of like a Martin Sheen, who's like, well, I'll sure. get another job, you know? Yeah, no, of course. I'm sure I was like, yes, please. I, this is Absolutely. A big from Stanley An, an iconic did, you know. role, you know, like would go on to be iconic. Although it sounds yeah. like at the time it wasn't so much, but right. Right. Um, but one other actor who was considered for this, Stanley Kubrick originally wanted Slim Pickens to play the part oh. of Halloran, but Pickens wanted nothing to do with Kubrick following his experiences working with him on Dr. Strange. Sounds Love. interesting. If you want to gain <laughs> um, loyalty, you should treat your people better. And I just realized that James Earl Jones is also in Dr. Strange Love. So he, oh. he could have. He so maybe he was like the connection or maybe he was like, I don't know, I need to work with that guy again. I don't know. But. Let's move on to the old bartender Lloyd. It's a small role, but I think one excellently well portrayed yeah. by uh, this actor, Joe Turkle, who some might know from Blade Runner and previous Stanley Kubrick films, Paths of Glory and The Killing. So Amy, share your thoughts on Joe Turkle and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Yeah, it's a funny little role because it it really, number one, your scenes are only with major film star Jack Nicholson. So you need someone who can like come in and be like, I can in my own way, hold my own with Jack Nicholson, which is a thing that when I was younger, I never thought about a consideration in casting being like, well, you have to make sure you're not casting someone who can get eaten alive by the star and or someone who can like give the star enough to bounce up against, you right. know, like and, they need and someone this who's film especially Jack is going to, you're not yeah. careful. He's going to eat you right along with the scenery. And but also that like you need to give him enough resistance so you're a good foil for him. And I think this actor does a fantastic job of that. He's ominous and weird without ever being like too winky about it. Like you're you're like, what is this guy's deal? You know, and in a way that's like, I don't know, really great. Sa same with um, Grady. I feel like there's a similar kind of the way that relationship Grady evolves. And the ghost. <laughs> I have just a couple of options. I mean, this is one that like I could have like racked my brain and thought of probably like a billion character actors as well, but was like, let me just stick with the first thoughts. One is, and this would 
weight it differently because this is a famous person I'm suggesting from another era. So what you get with this actor is like, mm, oh, this yeah. is someone who is very famous, but also while he was still making movies at this time, much more famous at, when he was like younger. And that's David Niven. Oh, who is giving me this kind of like he's played like Butler types before. I mean, he was still making Pink Panther movies at this right. at this moment in time. But like he's got that kind of uptight. He's a bit like has a bit more like uh, humor than is required of this role. But like, I don't know. I, I got a little David Niven from this mm. guy and I'm interested. And then my other thought, just as I was like, well, what if you want someone who's just like a little bit more ominous? And for some reason, the person that came to mind was John Noble who plays oh. Denethor in Return of the King. Yeah. And he's someone that I'm just like, yeah, I don't know about that guy. Oh, you know, I've seen him on the American stage and yes, agreed. He yeah. is ominous. Yes. But I feel like a really fine actor can also like be like, okay, I know what I get for free. And now I can just like play the lighter notes knowing that the camera is picking up on all of my lovely. Oh. <laughs> I dig that. 1980. Just thinking this was the year of Empire Strikes Back. So I don't think he's actually in the Star Wars films until Return of the Jedi. So and even then, I don't think you really see much of him. But uh, I can see young Ian McDermott. Oh, we love. If you want a similar-ish intensity, he's known now, I think, because this is the same year as Superman 2. And he's in the first one. But Terrence Stamp. Sure. can be very good here. You actually saying Ian McDermott makes me think Ian Holm would also be very interesting in this oh, part. Oh, sure. Any Ian. Any old a Ian. What a, a As McKellen? we said in our Lord of the Rings commentary, any, you can't go wrong with an Ian. <laughs> What's the guy from Deadwood? Is he an Ian? Um, Ian McShane. McShane. I saw him on the American stage. I did as well. The homecoming. Homecoming. A bit more, a bit rougher. Oh, him. Bit rough. But like, yeah. he's an excellent actor. But that I like if you get someone that kind of reads as a bit rougher, a bit more boots on the ground. A yeah. Bit more blue I mean, they collar, are in Colorado. And you make him like, I'm this suited bartender. Yeah. Like something where like a, the vibe isn't quite right. Yeah. Um, to that end, I could see like. Give me Dennis Hopper in this role. Oh, wow. I know. But someone who, of course, you're going to be oozing menace. But it's yeah. still like you are not someone that really makes sense to me as a bartender yes. in this fa in this upscale hotel, which right. is why it's like already is like, uh oh, warning, warning, sign. warning in a different vibe. Someone that I think would read a bit more genial or softer, but could still be a little weird is give me, give me a young James Cromwell for some reason, because it's oh. that height. And he's, he's, he's a lot elegant authoritative actor yeah. Yeah. yeah and it made more recently a very similar performance to this would be this actor lance reddick who someone know from the wire someone know from he's in all the john wick movies as the hotelier and it's mainly because of his role in the john wicks john wick movies where he is just this very elegant perfectly bespoke suit wearing like and will you be enjoying your stay at our hotel for hitman john wick that i think he'd be very good here yeah this is like do we just pull do we pull Ray Fiennes from uh, his role? What's the character's Grand name? Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. And oh. Um, regardless, do we pull him immediately from there? <laughs> Put him in his Lloyd. Very cheerful Lloyd. He'd be great. Oh, yeah. Ray Fiennes. Come on. Yeah. I mean, you know, I could see this is made in the 90s. I see the Ray Fiennes uh, Jack as well. Oh, yeah. That, there's, there's, yeah. Um, but I do like... I like the Liam, the man of the 90s, Liam Neeson Jack is actually. We really accidentally rad. stumbled upon it. Don't you love when we accidentally stumble upon it right at the last minute? Yeah, at least we said it and didn't, because sometimes it'll be afterwards. We're like, oh, 
The show said this, but the episode's in the can, and no yeah. way we can add to it. Impossible. Uh, one other actor who was considered for Lloyd was supposed to play the role, but was unable to take it due to his filming commitments on Alien, Harry Dean Stanton. I see that. He's giving me much more Colorado. Yeah. You know what I mean? Colorado, but I mean the weed. <laughs> I'm, I mean just like... Oh, man. That's why that Rip Van Winkle slept for a hundred years. Oh, he talked up too much. I'm thinking about like if if we're if we are to presume that Lloyd is from like the earlier era of the hotel, Colorado in the 1920s, like it's mining towns. It's you know there's like it's beautiful, so you're gonna get like rich and famous and ritzy people up, but it's also like it's a bit rougher for especially like if you're a local and that's where you're going and getting a job, yeah. you know. So it's like very. Speaking of Daniel Day Lewis, is like there will be blood, like more like these guys who like would work in the mines and everything. And it's like this is a much better job than that, you know. Just the, he's giving me more that energy, more of like right Colorado frontier kind of well, vibes. Well, sure, yeah. It's Harry Dean Stanton does not give me suited butler at no. an upscale hotel, which I think would be interesting exactly. to see that. Well, then I'm really getting the idea that this is not that this is a, a human who has a job rather than like. Which maybe doesn't work for it if you're like, I want this apparition to feel like one with this suit. Yeah. But at the same time, you're really getting, I'm really getting like bartender energy from him in a way. Just maybe not butler bartender energy. Agreed. But let's move on to Wendy Torrance. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Shelley Duvall and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? She's great. Shelley Duvall is so weird. And it's a great usage of such a singular actor to put her in this part where she's basically just like so trying so hard to make the best of things she's fantastic i mean she's all of us and at the same time because she is such like a kind of strange bird it helps to live in the heightened world that has been created you know yeah um i don't have a ton of options for this because it's it's tricky. I think again with all of these roles, I think there's like a ton of people who could do the thing. But like yeah. to make this movie that exists, my first choice, number one with a bullet, is Tony Collette. Yep. When you yeah. said we were like sitting watching the movie, you're like that's oh, not who I no no. Oh, because no. you're like I just have I've a got great idea. Else. I did not think of Tony Collette until. 10 seconds ago because oh. I thought of the movie Hereditary because I, I was just thinking of other mm. existential dread horror films and was just like oh yeah Tony Collette is someone uh, that can live like, there she can give you that uh, she's just giving me everything I want just thinking of someone who I've not seen in a horror film but I'm familiar with their acting but I have seen the trailer <laughs> to Baba Duke Essie Davis yeah, yeah. Um, and she's also just like phenomenal thing thinking of someone who's good at crying i have natalie portman on here oh yeah and yeah. then if this skews a bit more comedically because i don't think i actually want like two hours of two and a half hours of this but thinking of speaking of death trap diane cannon is giving like shrieking wife to oh, that is true like the house down boots <sighs> darling true. so it was true. like okay well diane cannon we know she was right for it at the time um <laughs> but yeah it's it's a tricky line to walk because like you want to side with her. You have to side with her, but you also to a certain extent have to side with Jack in order to like, feel like you want to watch the whole movie. You know what I mean? Like it's a, right. it's a tricky line. And so like you have to find her at least on some level, maybe a little like you get why he would be annoyed with her, even if it's not justified, you know yeah. what I mean? 
And that's really hard. Um, and I'm really not eager to hear about how much they tortured her. But at the same time, I well, we we, like don't we should need talk to get a little bit about wildly it. into that aspect. Um, but I do want to make special mention to the incredible wardrobe of oh, Shelley Duvall in this wow, film. Wow! Oh, this winter comfort, cozy realness is a delight. I just want to wear all these yes. <laughs> outfits all through winter. I want all these ponchos, all of these cozy, cozy what kindergarten teacher yes, couture. Yes, she's giving very kindergarten teacher. She's that like red and blue ensemble that she's wearing. Right. It's just like, are you on Thomas the Tank Engine? Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> I had a really hard time thinking of other casting options for this. Um, it's not great, but the only other person, like at the time, I'm like maybe Sissy Spacek. It's a very different performance. Very different, but, but she's really good. She's so. really good. Made later, I could see a Laura Dern in this role. This is like in the 90s. I mean, sure. honestly, instead of Jurassic Park, if Sam Neill and Laura Dern made The Shining, I, I mean... mean and Samuel Jackson, he's there. Jurassic Park, one to one. And then you have <laughs> Richard um, Attenborough as, as the Lloyd, or as the, the I was going to say Jeff caretaker. Goldblum, but um, oh, Jeff Goldblum is Lloyd. Yeah. Oh, I dig that. <laughs> I dig that a lot. Yeah, uh, um, or maybe Jeff Goldblum's Grady, and you have Richard Attenborough as Lloyd. Or no, Richard Attenborough should be Grady. Or Bob so that, Peck, or Muldoon as oh, the Muldoon. Or maybe oh, Muldoon the, would be a great Lloyd, actually. Mm. Like just that slight, because he's got that similar kind of face that you're like, do you hate me, or is that just what your face is doing? <laughs> or <laughs> imagine Sam Neill as Jack just saddling up to the bar. All right, hey Lloyd, how's it going? Turns around, who is it? It's a raptor wearing a suit. <laughs> The one that I thought that I was like, this is who it is. Not not today, but 15 years or so ago, Olivia Coleman is Ooh. someone who like one of her big dramatic breakouts, which I did not see the whole film. I've seen some clips online and it honestly looks like too depressing of a film to watch the whole thing. This movie Tyrannosaur about uh, Peter Mullen plays this guy. Just from what I little I know of it, it's just this like rageful guy. I think he's like out of prison and strikes up this kind of friendship with Olivia Coleman, who is in an abusive marriage. And it's just these two like people that have nowhere to really live Mm -hmm. um, who form somewhat of a connection. But she is just devastating in this and is living in like fraught. Like you see her. There's an amazing scene on YouTube with her to not spoil anything that she is like talking about an event in a way that reminded me so much of Shelley Duvall in the beginning, talking about Jack Nicholson with the having the like dislocated Danny's arm with her just like trying to like Ooh. explain away. Well, even violence, even thinking um, of her and some of her comedic stuff, like thinking of her in green wing, for instance, she plays this like addled mother who's just like so tired and she works in the office and it's a really minor role, but like that kind of like, Oh no, did I miss something? Did I do this? Like feels like it's not energetically that dissimilar from like the place where Wendy starts, you know, it's just in a comedy. Right. So it feels different. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and like, I was thinking like, okay, if you make this today, today, so if you're getting, I mean, they got the kids like what, five, six years yeah. old. So you're getting like young, young mom, uh, look wise, just, just look wise to Shelly Duvall. 
I was thinking Margaret Qualley, who some will know from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as the hippie that Brad Pitt picks up. Uh, Some have seen her in Fosse Verdon as Anne Ranking. She's apparently very good in this show Made that I've not seen. But I was thinking Made that I was like, oh yeah, so she's got a daughter in that. So she's old enough to have a kid. Um, I but like lookwise, she's she's a bit of our new. She's she's she could play Olive Oil yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) She's got the noodle limbs for Olive Oil. Um, Or maybe a Maya Hawk, maybe old. Ethan uh, and Uma's daughter. Good. She's very good. She's a real good, good actor. She's a real good actor on that Stranger Things. It wasn't enough to get me to watch season four, but she was real good when they brought her in for season three. I must say, I must say. Jack Nicholson said that Shelley Duvall's performance was the most difficult role he's ever seen an actress take on. And Shelley Duvall also considered this her performance the hardest of her life. Uh, Roger Ebert had an interview with her 10 years after the making of this Mm -hmm. film. And he he asked, how was it working with Kubrick? And she said, almost unbearable going through day after day of excruciating work. Jack Nicholson's character had to be crazy and angry all the time. And my character had to cry 12 hours a day, all day long, the last nine months straight. So nine months shooting five or six days a week. I was there. Oh, my mistake. (laughs) I was there a year and a month after all that work. Hardly anyone even criticized my performance in it. Even to mention it, it seemed like the reviews were all about Kubrick, like I wasn't there, Ugh. which is devastating. But it's um, also like that's the thing that like annoys me so much about, you know, criticism in general is like often if something is working really, really well, often it right. isn't the kind of thing that you're going to notice and talk about because it's not flashy. Yeah. Nicholson's performance, very flashy. You're going to nominate it for stuff. The the cinematography, the way that it's shot, very flashy. And she's screaming a lot, but it is she's so reactive because of like this, you know, a horrible situation yeah. she's in that like if it were flashier, it actually wouldn't be doing the storytelling appropriately. Right. Right. I mean, and I I was reading some reviews and some of them are are quite critical of her but of both that they just say like oh, jack is just like so over the top from the beginning and that she is just this flighty harried abused spouse role from the jump um like which i get but it's that it's not an arc so much as it's just a deepening as the film well, goes and it's from the where culmination they start of what yeah. we have not seen we yeah. in this film do not see the beginning of their arc yeah so like we're coming in for the last act really right but this film, in terms of like people not noticing her and, and Kubrick for that matter, uh, this is Kubrick's only film to be nominated at the Razzie Awards for two nominations for best or sorry, for worst director and worst actress for Duvall, which this was the first year that this meaningless, stupid awards were created. Uh, but Duvall's nomination was retracted by the Razzie Committee on March 31st, 2022. So someone finally was like, can we at least like make some kind of motion to like because like rescind this? Because we can clearly... also acknowledge this is an iconic performance. And like I get it. I can get seeing this and being like, ah, she's just like screaming, cr- screaming and crying. But I'm like, that's that's the world the they character. Built. And this is like clearly what Kubrick wanted is and this. And this isn't this isn't Elizabeth Berkeley and Showgirls doing what the director told her. This is like much more nuanced and crafted than that, you know? Like this I is agree. this is 
so hard to do. Like I won't play certain types of roles anymore. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't want to put myself through that every night. I just don't want to do. It. It's not worth it to me. And this is a year of doing that. Oh, to yeah. your body? I, can't, I can't picture the shining and um, all singing, all dancing Broadway spectacular where you got to well, do the same thing every ding, ding. I'm day. even thinking of doing like, I played the mom and Tommy years ago. And I just, the ensemble is having a great time because the music is so fun to sing, but like to play Mrs. Walker, you're essentially spending two hours on stage just worried about your kid. You sing sometimes, but then it's like, what do we do? Or I'm mad, you know, like you don't get to move through it in a way because it's not your arc. It's Tommy's arc. And I'm in support of that. And yeah. I just found I didn't have a you're just living in this kind of like ugh, for hours at a time tricking your body into it and it's just like that's stressful and i did a couple of roles like that and i was like oh i'm really unhappy when i do these sure. and for some people it might be more fulfilling or worthwhile to do that and for me i was like I i'd love to do this show and not do this role again yeah or if you're able to let those things go as soon as you're like off the stage yeah Which for some people I, you can and for some it's like the body think, doesn't lie yeah, I think you know the body the will that, hold on yeah. to tension and hold the way on that to, we staged it also yeah. prevented that in a way that in another staging i might actually get to move through it into like a catharsis point and then you've left gotcha, it on stage gotcha. and you're good to go but i i really struggled with that the idea of shooting that day after day and just being in hysterics and screaming and in terror is oh. horrifying oh. you reminded me of um some of the interviews with the actors from the most recent Broadway revival of Angels in America, which is, don't know, listener is a very long play, which is presented in two parts. And them talking about how, depending on the day, if you're only doing like one part oh. or depending on your character, like you might not get catharsis. Like you might like end, you, you might end part one, especially and be like, I, I, I have no release for this character because it doesn't exactly. come until part two. Yeah. Uh, and how difficult that is to then like on those nights to then try to be getting home and trying to like let go of the role in the show. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And it's like, there's a certain amount of like ritual I've developed now to be like able to like with certain roles, be like, I can leave it more in the dressing room, but some yeah. of it is just like, you know what? Not worth it. Yeah. And this is one that oof is, it's very difficult. Yeah. So the character of Wendy in the book appears more capable is less vulnerable. Stephen King, I forget if it's in the book or if it's just his description of her and his mind of who he thought should be in the film described her as like a former cheerleader, someone who has not had to deal with a lot of hardship mm. so that this is very much hitting them and they don't know what to do because they've never had to deal with a situation like this. Interesting. Which I feel like we're kind of going the opposite end that we're seeing someone who has been dealing with things like this to the point that they are forgiving away and not seeing the sign. Yeah, or like we're seeing someone who is in an abusive relationship yeah. who is still like in like af afraid to leave and, and justifying it and trying to make it work. So she said throughout filming that Kubrick pushed her hard. It's said that the scene in which this is the one, right? The one with the baseball bat where she's walking backwards up the stairs is one of the most reshot scenes in all of cinema. And according to the Guinness Book of Records, no. Kubrick demanded the shot be repeated 127 times. And that's like going up like a, a few stairs every now and again, like you'd be surprised how that will add up. And then you're crying and swinging a baseball bat while you're doing it. And they used to take three. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Your Nearly threw up all over you, this room. You look so mad for a split second. <laughs> so I was like, I got to quickly say that. It's just kidding. <laughs> Uh, one other actor who wasn't even necessarily considered, but who Nicholson thought they should get as Nicholson knew the book. And so he, in his mind, like, okay, from how she's written in the book, mm -hmm. he thought we need to get Jessica Lang. 
Interesting. And I'm like, she's giving you much more like, yeah, I mean, she's gorgeous, kind of like sir, more, yeah, former cheerleader. Sure. Yeah, exactly. But like, I get it. And I'm like, I get the idea. And I get the idea of King being like, this isn't what I wrote. And I understand the idea of like someone who's a more, if not mild mannered, someone more unassuming for Jack, someone with his, you know, ex cheerleader wife, who's just like, I've never had to deal with hardships. Like, we're just going to this. What could go wrong? Yeah. Um, I get, and I think Lang would be great. It's like, but it's having, it's having Duval, who's already just like so fraught She's, from the her jump. Her skin is paper thin. You know? Is why I was thinking of Tony Clinton Hereditary. Is because it's less of an arc that that movie is just like a Greek tragedy. In that, like nothing is getting better. Nothing is mm. like deep. Nothing is. We're like, sliding inexorably exactly. towards doom. We're just slowly spiraling, like worse and worse as we go. That can feel like a drag uh, because. It's not fun. There's no fun to this horror. It is existential dread. What's fun about The Shining is it is so gorgeous to look at. And it's weird. I think the weirdness keeps the dread from being, I don't want to deal with this. You're like, oh man, what's going to happen next? Like you kind of can't predict it. Yeah. This is very early in Jessica Lange's career. I didn't realize... um, because King Kong is her first movie, I believe, which is 76. And then all that jazz in 79. Uh, and then this year in 1980. Tootsie? Uh, Tootsie 82. So mm-hmm. in 1980, and this year, she instead had this movie, How to Beat the High Cost of Living, which is a heist comedy with Jane Curtin. Oh. And then next year, she would work with Jack Nicholson in The Postman Always Rings Twice. Oh, and then Tootsie's right. 82. That's a pretty impressive run of films. But yeah. also as far as Jack being like, we should get Jessica Lange. It's like, we should get that girl that was in all that jazz and King Kong. And that is it. Yeah. Um, like right from the jump, like some really big, impressive performances from Jessica Lange. She's very good to Jessica Lange. Sure. Is. I've seen her on the American stage. <laughs> Which I have not. I saw her in a, in a play with Michael Shannon. No well, less. how about that? So those are all the characters that I found other casting options for. There are a few characters I didn't mention. I want to briefly touch on them. Uh, Barry Nelson, who plays Stuart Ullman, who's the guy like, the, the fred for, willard lookalike yeah, yes looks just like fred willard uh the guy interviewing Nicholson i kept about expecting something funny job. to happen because i was like eh, it's a real fred the willard it's also he's his pants it's loud pretty, it's a loud look we are clearly just the t- we're still filming in the, in the 70s. 70s yeah yes hundo. this film may be released in the 80s the, the, you 80s look movie, at the patterns a, on the carpet <laughs> and this is a 1970s <laughs> late 70s film now i didn't know if you might have recognized old Barry Nelson, potentially, as from playing Eugene McClendon in season four, episode 15 of Murder, She Wrote, Mourning Among the Wisterias, oh. where Jessica is summoned to Savannah to help Because well, it's friend. a will thing, isn't it, in this one? Um, it says that she's summoned to Savannah to help a friend with his play and receives an offer of marriage she didn't expect. Even more surprised are the man's plotting family. Okay. I think that there's... She's always going somewhere, JB. I know which one you're talking about. Absolutely. That's so funny. I probably did recognize him too, but was like, <laughs> it's because I think he looks like Fred Willard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Philip Stone, who is the one that plays Charles Grady in The Ghost. Yeah. Uh, who some might know, he was in Temple of Doom, pre- uh, previous Kubrick film, Barry Lyndon, and Clockwork Orange. He's credited as a dad in Clockwork Orange. So I assume he's Malcolm McDowell's yeah, probably. dad. I think he's very he's good. Great. All of these like so small creepy. character actors, I think, crush it. Crush it. And finally, Danny Lloyd as Danny Torrance. Oh, Danny Lloyd. The, oh. 
is doing a great job in this movie. What? So while Stanley Kubrick was famously very demanding and intimidating on set, to the point of driving both Shelley Duvall and Scatman Crothers to tears, he had a good relationship with the young Danny Lloyd. In later interviews, as an adult, Lloyd mentioned that Kubrick used to play ball with him. And for years after the movie, Kubrick would send Christmas cards to the Lloyd family and even phone Danny to congratulate him on his high school graduation. Oh, wow. I know. So I thought that was very sweet. That is very sweet. Uh, and he thought he was making a drama this whole time. Yeah, film. tell me more about what, how, how did they just like uh, to get these reactions out of it? I, I don't know what else outside of the fact that he did not know it was a horror film. He thought it was a drama. And that's why if you like really look at like the shot selection, like so often it's just him by himself. It's just like, yeah, not him with any kind of violence or blood in the same oh, yeah. frame. Wisely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but it is like, I don't know what, when he's doing the whole, apparently the little finger move was his idea. Really? Like it was just supposed to be, you know, this voice, Danny, just the voice that Danny's not here right now, but having to be the little finger is talking. I'm like, well, is Tony living in your mouth or is he living in your finger, young man? Cause I'm having trouble believing this now. <laughs> um, but it's all so good. Even seeing reviews of that about like, Oh, this, you know, his skills. He's only so skilled, this little child performer. And it's like, this what kid are is you talking about? crushing it. It's a beautiful performance. I agree. I agree. These critics People... need to go away. <laughs> People in 1980 just were not ready for this film. And I mean, like, this is such a weird movie. This Absolutely. is such a weird horror film. And I think people were just kind of looking for, like, something different. Also, yeah. they're expecting a new Stephen King movie. I get that True. they're, like, expecting carry and then instead they get the shining it's like yeah. what am i what am i looking at here it's very true i get it but so, the kid i think he's so good and yeah i don't know how those shots where he's like seeing the horrors and his eyes go wide uh, and he like, i mean it's terrifying and also just like how did they get this reaction out of him it's yeah it's really anyway great job great. kid i think it's great like i get king's thoughts but with this main trio especially i mean with all the casting i think yeah. all the casting works even it though jack is a madman from the jump like it works for what this film it works is for the thing that's doing. being built here yeah yeah uh so final thoughts amy joe anything we haven't touched on any other roles that popped out at you i respect that room 237 is not a great place to be but like can i get the carpet um <laughs> it's very stylish some of these rooms are pretty i mean the red and white like bathroom this bathroom that looks like a music video for the white stripes <laughs> very i i was like oh this is very much like i could see people wanting to go and like stay in a place like that i mean like Absolutely. if i didn't know this was an iconic harm like this is the kind of like place yeah. i love to stay where it's like wow you wow an instagram trap before <laughs> that was a thing I didn't realize that this Instagram trap was really just a, a trap. Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> That's I've, I'm honestly shocked there isn't already a horror film called Instagram Trap. Okay, Jeff, why are we putting this on the pod? We can all right, we can go. listener, copyright and almost starring coming soon with the you Instagram Trap. Instagram Trap. <laughs> You'll take your photos, but they'll take your life. They'll take your soul. Oh, there we go. That's yeah, photo stealing souls. Soul. I think we're oh, onto something. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. I dig it. I'll end with this little bit of trivia. The MPAA did not allow blood to be shown in any trailers that would be seen by all ages, understandably so. So those elevator shots that are so beautiful aren't getting uh, used? Well, they absolutely are. The trailers are mainly just the shots of right, the elevators that opening feels like and the blood thing that's coming telling out. telling what the movie's like. 
Well, Kubrick just told them, no, 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 no. That's not blood. That's just rusty water. And the trailer passed. Oh, <laughs> my God. Get banned, MPAA. <laughs> Amy Cho. Jeff. What you going to recommend for our 100th episode? Oh, gosh. Well, I didn't think of something that specific. Um, I'm going to go What are you going to recommend for this episode? episode. <laughs> I'm going to recommend a book. Uh, I'm not through with it, but it's very good thus far. Um, Shy. It's called The Shining. It's called The Shining. Now, it's not The Shining, but it's called Shy. And don't think I didn't think, hey, that's fun. It's called Shy, the alarmingly outspoken memoirs of Mary Rogers. And it's by Mary Rogers and Jesse Green. And it's Mary Rogers, who is Richard Rogers' daughter and Adam Gettle's mother and like wrote Once Upon a Mattress and like a bunch of other stuff. Like it's her memoir. And it from the jump is so like deliciously like telling it like it is this guy was a real jerk that you know and this guy wow. was like notorious for this and blah 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 but like very self-deprecating very very funny and and i'm really really enjoying it so i'm recommending shy love it jf amy joe what you recommending well for our 100th episode and for our final episode of spooky scary movie Ooh. month I'm going to recommend another spooky, scary film. Uh, and this film uh, scared the pants off me in a way I can't think of many others that have recently is Brandon Cronenberg's film Possessor. And yes, that is David Cronenberg's son, Brandon. Wow. Just who, picking up the legacy. Oh, he is carrying that banner. I did not see his first film, Antiviral, um, but I... I'm very curious to see what he does next. That first film did not get great reviews. This got better reviews, but this is like, it's sci-fi, but it's just really just looks like it's set today. But it's in a world where like, you can take a person, implant like a chip in their head, and then they can put their consciousness into that person's body to pretty much override them and take them over. Uh -huh. So Andrea Riceborough works for this company under jennifer jason lee where they it's this complex it's very it's somewhat it's like if inception was a horror film a bit they are trying to like take over this company uh -huh. it's all this corporate blah 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 is the MacGuffin. but long story short she needs to get her consciousness put in to christopher abbott who i've recommended on the pod multiple times an amazing performance who's playing pretty much two people who's playing himself and playing himself being taken over by andrea riceborough and I won't get too into the details, but like long story short, it slowly becomes a horror film about identity and about like losing your sanity and your your mind. And once it becomes like, is she trapped in this guy's mind Ugh. is like as they are jockeying for control over the space and it builds, devolves or builds, depending on your view, into like them battling for control over the mindscape as you are seeing like the craziest images going through a person's mind uh in a very exciting way you're getting jennifer jason lee you're getting sean bean in some Ooh, fun supporting sean bean, sean bean is jack maybe maybe sean bean is jack mm. um but either way if you want just a horror film that's really gonna mess you up good you can't go wrong with possessor and i won't be watching but you should if that sounds good see this you. I, I can't even watch it again but wow in that it it, it 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 does get very violent and if if it's if like 
very realistic violence is like very off-putting to you like it's not like a fun like and now these characters have death scenes it's like no here is just like some very realistic looking gore uh is is very just like ah ooh ah no um but in immediately watching it i was like that is a wild ride of a film with two amazing performances from andrea riseborough and christopher abbott then you can't go wrong with Possessor. And that's what we're recommending this week. Da, da, da. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at analmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Follow us on Instagram to see all of our shenanigans at and almost starring. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And thanks for joining us for 100 episodes. Grady! 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 And the ghost! Classic. <laughs>